got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk presented by 23rd Street Brewery here in Lawrence. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be joined by Matt Tate coming up at 3.40 here. We're going to break down the uh, Mass Street TBT victory last night. We've got uh, some fun segments, lie detector tests, do we give a bleep? We've also got our Jayhawk football rewind for later on in the show. But starting things off here, the opponents are now known for both the KU women's and men's basketball teams because obviously, you know, in, in the past, whatever, handful of years, it's been you easy. Would, it's oh, just, no. Yeah, you play everybody twice, and, you play everybody uh, home and home. Yeah. That's Perfect. It. Well, now that there's 14 teams this year, and even for next year when there's 12, we're, we're not going to know uh, until, uh, I guess, now on uh, who they are going to exactly be playing, which makes for some or, intrigue and also, in the schedule. you know, where they're going to be playing. Yes. Right? That is once true they go well. back to 12, I would think they would still then play everyone, right? Yeah. And then they uh, play... They'll play everyone once. I would imagine, and then play like six teams twice. Yeah, what they did back in the in the day of the old Big Twelve when you had two divisions is you played everybody in your division twice. Yeah, and then you so that gave you ten games, and then you played everybody in the other division once, so it gave you sixteen. So I don't know if they'll do that again. But they play eighteen now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know they how they'll work. 18. Make that work. I really don't know. Um, before we get to that, how though, do you real not quick, know? Come on. I, You're I supposed know. to know these things. Uh, before we get to that, real quick, I did want to make mention Lou Perkins, the former KU athletic director who served in that position at KU from 2003 to 2010. Um, he took over in June of 2003. I can't remember if I, I thought that Bill Self got hired with an interim AD, um, but I don't know. He might have had a part of that when he kind of took over. Uh, finished up in 2010. Obviously, uh, controversy in how things ended with the Lou Perkins era. And certainly there was, I think, disgruntlement in between both Perkins and Mark Mangino, even though there was a lot of success there. So, you know, uh, kind of a tumultuous up and down time in Lawrence, but um, obviously very well beloved in a lot of ways for a lot of things that he was able to do in fundraising. He was able to get done in his time at Kansas and, and for a lot of the athletic endeavors that KU ended up achieving under the time of Lou Perkins, winning the national title in basketball in 2008, uh, winning the Orange Bowl in 2008. Uh, unfortunately, Lou Perkins has passed away. So I wanted to kind of start off with uh, with that. And uh, he's, he's obviously a Northeastern guy. A lot of people remember some of the, the comments that, you know, he made when uh, – uh, he was in his time at, at KU, and, and there are a lot of good ones. So, like I said, kind of a uh, – it's not just a black and white tenure in his time at, at KU, but certainly a lot of positives that he uh, left with as well after he took over for Al Bowl in 2003. 
Okay, back to the schedule stuff here. Uh, let's start with the the men's side of the schedule. The teams that they're going to be playing twice, so games that they'll be playing or teams that they'll be playing home and away. Baylor, which that's tough to have to play them twice because they're typically really good at basketball. Although this year, I don't know, might be a little more down than we're used to. Probably Maybe. still a top 25 team, though. Yeah. Houston, home and away. That's tough because they're seen as being the probably biggest title contender for KU in the conference. Kansas State, home and away. That makes sense. You're you're probably every school is going to play their rival home and away is what I would guess. Oklahoma, home and away. That's fine. Oklahoma State, home and away. That's probably fine as well, although uh, you would have preferred to only have to play them at home because Oklahoma State has uh, been a menace to play on the road, typically under Bill Self tenure. Although recently over the past couple of years, they've almost had more trouble at, I don't know, last year at least. They had more trouble at home than, than on the road. Uh, then you have four teams that you're only playing at home. BYU, Cincinnati, so you won't travel to either of their destinations for the first time this year. TCU and Texas, which that's kind of favorable there because, I mean, TCU could be pretty good. Texas, Texas should home. be good. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. The uh, You do have four teams you're only playing on the road. UCF, which that's fine. They're going to be picked to be last in the conference. Iowa <laughs> State, though, that's a tough place to play. Yeah. Texas Tech, also a very tough place to play. Yeah. And West Virginia, which has been one of KU's bigger bugaboos yeah, on the road. I think, unfortunately, at KU kind of got a tough tough draw uh, for, in that standpoint because when KU plays Texas Tech and Iowa State and even West Virginia for that standpoint, that's like their biggest game of the year when KU comes to town. And the fact that those, t- those teams then don't have to come to Lawrence uh, is a little bit uh, – Disappointing, I guess, for, from from KU standpoint, right? Because Iowa State, uh, Hilton, they always get crazy for KU. Texas Tech, I I, I want I'll be nicer to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, their fans are normally just insane, no matter who comes there. But obviously, more so for KU. And uh, as you said, West Virginia has been a place where KU notoriously has has had some ups and downs. Uh, so that's kind of a, I don't I don't think like tough draws the right term for it but it's like uh oh man you know you have to play those four teams on the road yeah. and they don't or those three teams on the road and they don't they don't come to Lawrence just from a general perspective you would probably say you want to play the best teams at home and you want to play the worst teams on the road um makes sense right so there, there's there's a piece of that to where it's like well it's good you're playing UCF on the road and stuff yeah, I, I don't and know like where West Texas Virginia Tech's might peg. be bad because they're in Champions. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Iowa, Iowa State, State probably, probably middle of the pack. Yeah. So on the with, Iowa State, point, with Iowa State, it'll probably depend on when you play them. Yes. Because they are normally the best team in the world the first like eight games of conference play. Mm-hmm. And then they just collapse. Yeah, and I uh, I like that you play Texas at home as opposed to on the road. That's nice, yeah. Um, you could, though, also make the case, though, that you would rather play the worst teams at home so it's you can just make sure Guaranteed you mount w's. up the wins yeah. and you know you're going to be up for that level you know, of play on the road but is, I don't know this is Kansas it's if you're at home it's a guaranteed right. w basically almost anyway so and I do think um no matter what the Big 12 is a very difficult conference yeah. no matter what this was going to come out as a difficult schedule but it, it uh, certainly yeah, is probably. when you view it from this standpoint that these are going to be your nine road Big 12 games Baylor, Houston, Kansas State, OU, Oklahoma State uh, UCF, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia. If you can go four and I mean, five in that, to, you should be able to win five of those. I feel like. Okay. I mean, if you can get to five and four, Oklahoma, that's Oklahoma you up. State. I am not concerned about it at all. Like they're probably going to be not that good. 
you would think you would have a chance to win at Kansas State, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and give them that much respect. You're, mm-hmm. you're probably going to win at Kansas State, I think. I hope. So that's three. You're going to beat UCF. That's four. And then all you have to do is get, you know, one of the other five. Houston, Baylor, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Yeah. And if you go five and four on the road, nine and zero oh at home, that's the recipe for fourteen and four, which typically Boom. wins the Big Twelve. Yep. Right. That's the recipe for that. Uh which game are you just most like let's say that um somebody listening to this is like, I'm only gonna go to one Big Twelve game. I'm only gonna buy tickets to one Big Twelve game. Like one Big Twelve game for KU or one Big Twelve game for total? KU. Oh, for KU, okay. Which one are you doing? I think you've got to pick either either one of the Houston games, to be honest, or Texas. Well, I guess let's put this up. Let's what? say a home game. Let's say a home game, and then we'll get to like a home game make a road trip. Texas. Okay. You agree with that? I'd go or Houston. Or I'd K-State. go Houston. To me, there's a clear, obvious top three. It's Houston, uh, Texas, and K-State. Yeah. I mean, it's always fun to see Scott Drew lose an Allen Fieldhouse. No, so it is. That's a good time. That is, that is that's fun. up there, too. Okay, what about a road trip? Road trip, I think, maybe UCF. Because you probably know you're going to win. <laughs> you get to go somewhere kind of fun. If you're looking for environment, Houston, I think. But, I mean, you know, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, those are generally all great environments. So yeah, it's not but, like it's a bad choice. To well, West Virginia is just tough to get to. you got to fly into Pittsburgh, drive oh, it's down. Terrible. You know, I don't no, it's do horrible. that. It is absolutely miserable. When I first went there, I was like, dude, what what do we can we not be civilized? Can we not have an airport? What what is going on here? No, I was I was outraged. I was like, what do you mean we gotta we gotta fly all the way to Pittsburgh? Yeah, Texas And then turn around and drive an hour back the other way? Texas Tech, I d I don't know. You might not have a ton of I think the the yeah, Houston might be the the road one because it's like it's a new opponent. You probably haven't been to that arena before. It's going to be a really good it's, game. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good game. But again, you, you might lose. Of course. So if you go to UCF, you it's a new opponent, so it's still cool. They're in, you can go to Disneyland or do whatever else you want to do in Orlando, and you're going to get a basically guaranteed win. Well, and the beauty, too, of going to I, uh, both of those, Houston and UCF, is that you're going to be going there. We, we don't know when they're playing these teams, to be clear. That, oh, I'd true, imagine yeah. is going to But you'll be going later. there you know, in the dead of winter. It's right, it'll be January, the, February, yeah. March. Either one's going to be warm. Fly down to 75 degrees in sunny mm-hmm. Orlando, Florida. Whereas it's like, if you go up January. to Iowa State, it's still going to be cold. You go to uh, BYU, it's probably... I guess BYU... The other issue with Iowa well, State no, is at home. Never mind. the nicest restaurant there is Panera Bread. Well, that's okay. mean. That's not mean. It's factual. Mr. Fong's Pizza, baby. Actually, I don't know if they have an Ames location anymore. It might only I don't think. Morning. No, I'm telling you. That the times that I've been to Ames, I haven't seen Jack. Oh, what about for the uh, what's the barbecue spot? I don't know. You never been to the whatever it is. Spot it's not good enough. In Ames, it's 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 uh, I want to say it starts with an H. <laughs> no, it's like it's no. not like no, it's barbecue bad. in the sense of like Kansas City, Hickory uh, Hickory Park. It's good. Okay. Good. So boo Speak you. for yourself. Boo you. Ames, Iowa. <laughs> so Ames That's is the how bottom. I feel. Is, is the one you would least want oh, to Oh, if I was... Well, okay, hang on. If I, I was think ranking, you would die if you were at the Kansas State game. <laughs> I, I would maybe not make it out. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would need... I would probably need to either find some friends that are much bigger than me or, you know, uh-huh. hire some security or something. Because, uh, yeah, it would, it would. I would be really... I would be really mad. I would, it would it would not be good. Okay. 
Dude, after like the seventh we own this state sign that I would see, I think <laughs> I would like my eyes would explode. Uh, we also have the KU women's basketball schedule out. Home and away for them, Baylor, which that's tough. Baylor's always typically one of the best schools in the Big 12. Although last year they weren't as good. They were still good, you know, but they weren't. Yeah. When Kim Mulkey was the coach, it was like they were top 10 every year. More top 25 last year, but still that's tough. Uh, BYU home and away. I, I don't know, I don't know how you, good BYU I don't, I don't is in know, women's. Yeah. Iowa State traditionally has been very good in women's basketball, so that's a tough home and away. Kansas State, Kansas again, State makes sense. Kansas State will be better probably. Yeah, cause they because they bring the uh, Aoka girl yeah, back after the sitting National out a year. Player of the year. Yeah, with an yeah. injury. Yeah. But that one you were just going to play them home and away anyway because yeah. it's your rival. Yeah. Oklahoma home and away. I mean, that's been a dominant school. So, I mean, that that's a tough home and away for KU women's basketball. Uh, home only Cincinnati. I don't know how good they've been. Same with Houston. Oklahoma State. Um, I think you like having that at home. Yeah. West, Virginia, West Virginia, same with them. West Virginia is normally a, they're normally a tournament team, but not like a high seed tournament. Yeah, it was. Team. I so mean, that was game. honestly one of the. It was the bubble of West Virginia and yeah. Kansas were both kind of on so the. So that's bubble. a game that you like to have at home. Yes, to try to maybe get a win against another potential tournament team. And then away only UCF, Texas, which I mean, twenty twenty. Now I'm messing up my years. Twenty one, the twenty one to twenty two season. So Didn't it would have been, them? yeah, they won at Texas yeah, yeah, in okay, Austin. Yeah, yeah, so I think yeah, yeah. you're comfortable doing that. Yeah, uh, away only uh, TCU, which is fine. TCU was the last place team in the Big Twelve last team, year, although they beat KU last year. But they did in we, the Big Twelve tournament. We will just move past. They that. still beat them by twenty plus in the regular season. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move past. So that's that fine. One. Yeah, and then uh, at Texas Tech, which uh, that should be a winnable road game too. So, so I was thinking about that this. works out uh, with the schedule releases for the K- for the men's side, probably not, but for the women's side. Does it make you feel any better or worse about their prospects for the Big Twelve and like I don't know, you know making it making the making the NCAA tournament? Because like on the men's side, I think with the schedule release, you still feel like you're probably going to be a top two three team regardless right. of who you're playing. Um, honestly, not really. It's probably it could be the difference of you if you have a tough schedule versus not tough schedule. If you're a top tier team, maybe like Kansas men's is, maybe it's the difference between one win yeah. over the course of the year. Yeah. If you're a middle tier team, or if you're like a third or fourth or fifth place team, which which I don't know, we'll see where That's, Kansas women's is projected. Yeah, I imagine I mean, it's in that range. Yeah, I would agree with that. It might be the difference in two. I mean, wins. obviously internally, I think they have some pretty high expectations. Sure. Like maybe a tough schedule versus an easier one in conference plays. The difference between going twelve and six and, versus ten you know, and eight. We don't know the dates. We just know the opponents. Yeah. So when you play teams could also impact it does. It, it does. You know, you, and and you don't know even before the season. Like when you play a team, you might come into that week and somebody might be hurt on the other team or hurt on or, your team. You know, or, or like if you're playing, like on the men's side, if you're playing on the road at Houston on a big Monday, but you have to play Texas at home on Saturday, mm-hmm. that changes probably how you feel about those games. Sure, a little bit. But yeah, I mean, with the women's side, if you can. At UCF, at Texas, at TCU, at Texas Tech. I mean, that that really does give you a chance to go like that's, three and one on the road. I was about road, to say, yeah, right. Those, I mean, I would say you should win win at least two of those. If you go, let's okay, you want to do conservative or positive? Oh, let's do let's do let's do positive. Okay, so three. three and one there. Home only: Cincinnati, Houston, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Let's say three like and you one. Should again. Win three there too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. All right, six and two. Um, let's say between the Baylor, Oklahoma. Iowa State, Kansas State, home and homes. Even if you just go two and six, even it's, if you just go two and six, that gets you to eight and eight, and then sweep BYU. You're ten and eight. 
Yeah. At the very least, that gets you to be a tournament. That's probably top five. That gets you to. That was probably five. honestly not even the positive one. That was probably more just the like. I was say two and six. Run. The other one. Yeah. They could probably go. Yeah, I go three and five, four and four. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's uh, you know at, at bare minimum your tournament team. If you get to twelve and six, that's all of a sudden competing for a conference title. Yeah. So yeah, you can get there for sure. All right, those are the uh, schedules. But again, we don't have the dates on when everybody is uh, playing. So why do they do that, by the way? I don't know. It's a good question. Do they just do it so that we can have something to talk about on July twentieth. So that we can have something to talk about multiple times. Once the opponents and once the dates, I guess. <laughs> once again, the reason the dates. Which, so know, hey, that's the reason they I'm are. They're looking it. out for us, man. Yeah, thank How you. How thoughtful. Thank you, Brett Yormark. All right. Uh, well, hang on. I don't want to go that far. Okay. Yeah. Matt Tate uh, is going to join us coming up at 340 here. Coming up next, though, Mass Street. They uh, won their first TBT game. It was a bit of an ugly game, but they found a way to win. We'll discuss it on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Shock Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, it's been too long, but the site is officially up and running now. Matt Tate of the new digital storytelling platform for uh, Jayhawk athletes, KU athletes, Wave the Wheat, run by Row 1, Seat 1, which uh, is shortened to R1S1, the same way that we shorten our show to be RCST. Uh, so, Matt, I guess first things first, I'll, I'll just leave it open here. The site is up and running now. How can people check out all of the uh, awesome content and stories that you've been just kind of filtering through here over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, no, thanks, man. It's great to great to talk with you again, and I appreciate you having me back on, and uh, let's have some fun. Um, yeah, it, it's week two. Uh, we're, we're closing in on the end of week two of our site being live. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, tons of stuff there right now. Uh, we've had some great traffic, and it's uh, it's simple. It's r1s1sports.com. That'll get you there. Um, there's a mixture of some premium paid content and some free content. Uh, right now we're doing a free seven-day trial. If you want to check out what is behind the paywall and see if it's worth it to you, uh, then you can do that for free for seven days, and hopefully you like everything you read and find that 17 cents a day isn't too big of a deal. So um, r1s1sports.com, and it's entirely KU. We've got, I think, five or six different sports represented. We've got a mixture of my blog and opinion stuff, uh, some features, a little bit of news. Um, but, but mostly it's going to be, yeah, features uh, kind of telling the stories about who these kids are, what they're about, what they believe in, what they've overcome, and, and just, you know, their stories. And, and that's what we're going to focus on mostly. So uh, I'm thrilled it's running. It was, it was a while, and it took a, took a little bit of time to get it going. But um, we're off and running now, and, and, and it looks really good. I think people will like how it looks and, and hopefully like the content that's there as well. So r1s1.com. Sorry, r1s1sports.com. And that'll take you there. But yeah, thanks for thanks for the uh, the love, man. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll get into some of the recent stuff you you've wrote about, like a Marco Jackson and whatnot. But uh, I guess the the most immediate thing that happened last night, the Mastery NIL team won their uh, first TBT game, which it was it was not looking great early. But I guess I don't know. That was almost like a, a vintage Bill Self Big Twelve kind of. You're not playing great, but but grind out the win there at the end. Uh, Thomas Robinson was fantastic. Obviously, they were missing some key players from last night. Uh, what did you What did you make about that performance from what we saw and in, in, uh, kind of moving forward in this tournament? Yeah, I had the same thought, man. I mean, it, it's I don't know that if 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 Self watched it, I don't know that he enjoyed it very much. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but I, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a real pedigree there that those guys have all been a part of that stuff where. 
you know, maybe on a night you don't have your best, you find a way. And they did find a way. And, and um, I, I'll say this, too, about that event, and, and, and in particular for a team like, you know, anyone that Kansas puts together. Right or wrong, or whether you want to laugh at it or not, it, there's a lot of pressure on those guys, man. I mean, they're Kansas, right? Like, that's, that carries a little bit of weight. And, and not only does that make teams want to knock them off and, and get the best from their opponents and all that stuff, but, yeah, there's, there's some pressure on them to, to deliver. I mean, Thomas Robinson was the number five pick in the draft, an All-American, one of the baddest dudes to ever play here. He doesn't want to go out and embarrass himself or, or be on a team that loses to a D3 team, right? I mean, nobody wants that. But, but some of that brings a little bit of extra pressure. So I actually think the fact that they survived and, and found a way and, and kind of got that first feel of that whole thing out of the way, I, I, I think they have a chance to make a run now. Um, and, you know, they play a Missouri team, so – there's a little bit more of an even ground there on Saturday. That, that's not going to be all the pressure in the world on Kansas. Those Missouri guys are going to feel some pressure too. And and so, you know, if they can get past that team, then then you know who knows what happens from there. But um, it's it's a good team. It's a good bunch of dudes. Uh, I, I really like every one of those guys. I think the most obvious thing was that it was unfortunate that Tyshawn Taylor couldn't play because they really missed him. Not only as a scorer not only as a, a, a point guard who can handle the ball, but just his, his presence. Um, Ty's been the heart and soul of everything he's ever been a part of, and uh, that includes the 2012 team that, that made it all the way to the national championship game. You know, And so to take that away from any team um, and, and then really leave them without a point guard, uh, you know, Keith Langford, terrific player, great with the ball in his hands as a scorer, but not a point guard. LeGerald Vick, not a point guard. Um, you know, so th- that was the biggest thing to me. I don't know if he's going to be able to play on Saturday or not. Um, you know, he was obviously there last night, and he, he was in uniform, and he was up and, out, up and down off the bench and doing what he could to help people out. But, uh, yeah, man, hopefully he can play, because I know he cares a great deal about it. He may care as much about it as, as anybody on that roster. And, and so – um, you, you want to see him get a chance to, to help those guys out. And I think having him would have helped a lot. I don't think that game would have even been close if he was out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when LeGerald Vick, who, you know, LeGerald Vick has a lot of things he can do well in a basketball court. I don't really envision him being a point guard, which, you know, that's, that's kind of what you saw a lot of last night. So uh, hopefully those guys can be back, especially because they are playing a Missouri team on uh, Saturday, and we'll see how far they can kind of make a run with. Uh, we're talking with Matt Tate here, and as part of your uh, latest piece that you put out earlier today, which was free for today. It's your take on El Marco Jackson, how he can serve as three players in one this season. And I find this to be very interesting when you look at the construction of this KU roster that it seems like it's going to be very different than the past couple of years where it was wings playing the two through four. Like even a guy who we could see like Ochak Baji and a lot of other teams might be the three man. He was playing the two a couple of years ago. Uh, but now it's going to maybe go back more to what you think of like those 07, 08 teams where you even had lineups at, at times of Sharon Collins, Russell Robinson, Mario Chalmers, and that El Marco Jackson kind of seems like he's going to be the key to allowing them to play a bunch of ball handlers on the floor all at once. Yeah, I love it, man. I mean, I've seen him a little bit already at some scrimmages and some practice settings and things like that, and he he's really impressive, and, and he, he knows he's good. And um I, I think he's talented i think he uh i think he can play a lot of different styles and a lot of different roles and so i think he starts the season as dewan harris's 
you know, backup, truly, uh, a true backup point guard, which is important to have, obviously, because Dewan can't and shouldn't play 35-plus minutes every game. Um, and, and obviously we haven't seen much of that in the last couple of years. I mean, Remy Martin was supposed to be that, but he's hurt most of the time. And then, and then he found a way to be that when it really counted. Um, but last year going to the bench was like a real problem last year. And, and, you know, part of that was injuries. Part of that was just those guys that didn't quite develop at the rate anybody wanted. And, and so, you know, they didn't really use their bench very much last year. So I, I think that, that's kind of what sparked the idea for me is that is that you've got this guy in El Marco Jackson who on a team that right now only has 10 scholarship players you know depth is a question that their talent is not a question they're they're loaded everybody knows that but their depth is a question and so when you have a guy like El Marco who can be a backup at the 1 a backup at the 2 and a backup at the 3 it's almost like having more depth than you actually do have in numbers and and so I think that's really cool. I think it'll be a great thing for him because, yeah, of course he would love to start at Kansas. I don't think he will. I think the, the starting five is, is going to be hard to crack. And uh, But, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's the first guard off the bench. And uh, any one of those guys, you know, let's just say the starting five is, is uh, DeWan, Artario, McCuller, KJ, and Hunter Dickinson. Well, if, if DeWan, Artario, or, or Tevin McCuller – needs a break or gets two quick fouls or whatever, you know, El Marco can go in for any one of them. And and I think Timberlake, Nick Timberlake's going to play a ton too, but you know, he's probably a, a two of those spots where he can go in. Um, I don't, he's not a point guard either. So, um, you know, right there though, you've got two guys that are coming off the bench that have a lot of versatility and, and really can, can help you out in a, in a bunch of different ways. So, um, I think people should be really excited about El Marco. Um, he was obviously the highest rated player on in that class. That's now down to two. Um, he he he's a an NBA prospect. I mean, a lot of a lot of those NBA sites and draft sites are are looking at him as maybe one of the one of the top prospects, if not the top prospect on this roster, um, looking toward the future. So. Um, yeah, man, I think, I think it's a really cool thing and, and it's made even cooler by the fact that the bench was such a problem last year. When, when you look at the, I don't know, maybe lack of depth that this roster has in, in case of an injury, um, you know, if Zach Clements is going to redshirt, that leaves you with nine scholarship players. Bill Self made a recent comment about, I don't know, possibly redshirting someone else doesn't leave you with a lot of, uh, wiggle room after Marcus Adams departed away. And it's not that. You know, Marcus Adams was necessarily going to be a part of the rotation, but just having that in case, let's say Kevin McCuller did have an injury, which we've seen happen to him at during his Texas Tech career, or even last year when he missed a couple games, like during the Big 12 tournament, I think uh, like Texas Southern or something like that. Um, I, I, how likely do you think, or, or I guess does it make a lot of sense for them still, even this late in the game, to not just add one more player, but add two more players and, and get those scholarship numbers up to 12? I think it does um, to a point, right? We've seen for years that Bill Self's not going to just add bodies to add bodies. I mean, he'll do that with the walk-ons, and and that makes sense because you know you're you're needing bodies in practice and things like that. But um, I don't think he'll pick up a guy just because he wants to fill a number. I, I think I think Self will, will will take a guy if he thinks the guy can help him, if he thinks the guy can make them better, and if he doesn't find that guy, then he may ride with ten. Um, but I'd be really surprised if they don't get at least one more. Um, two more. Two more would probably make what I'm saying there a little more, 
a little more relevant. Like you're not just going to take a second guy just to take a guy, you know, you, you got to make sure that that guy's um, the right fit and, and can help and, and can make you better. And, and if you can't, you can ride with 11, but, but I think, I think they will add one more. Um, and I think I, you know, I talked to him the other day for a little bit and uh, the idea of, of trying to get that in before they go to Puerto Rico would make a lot of sense. He said in a perfect world, that would be it. You know, you'd add that guy cause then you could take him with you. But um, that's, I don't know, less than two weeks away now. So may not be very likely that that'll happen, but gosh, those things happen fast too. You know, sometimes, sometimes that stuff happens overnight and uh, we've seen that with guys coming and we've seen that with guys going. And uh, so, you know, I, I think it's probably a safe bet to say they'll add it one more, but two more might be kind of a coin flip. Yeah. Um, we're six weeks from tomorrow from the first KU football game taken on Missouri State. You were out at Big 12 Media Days last week down in Dallas. What was your favorite tidbit, nugget, quote, comment, whatever it is from, from anything that happened at Big 12 Media Day as it pertains to KU football? Yeah, I mean, obviously Jalen, right? Not just his suit, not just the necklace. All that was really cool. Um, and I'm sure there were some people that rolled their eyes and thought that was not cool. But um, look, man, that's what that's what big time quarterbacks are, um, you know. And and it's cool to see him embracing that he is that, and it's cool to see him uh, unapologetic about it. Like I'm here, you know. I'm I'm wearing this gold suit and I'm wearing this flashy bling, and I'm Jalen Daniels. Nice to meet you, you know. Like I. I think that's great. I think Kansas needs as much of that as they can get, especially in football. And, and it was cool to see that return again. And, and, and talking to all those guys down there, the, the, the respect that they felt, you know, the fact that they felt like they belonged um, was great. Like, you know, number one, on a human level, on a personal level, I can't tell you how many times I covered that event in the past where the, the KU contingent would have four tables and they'd have four guys sitting at, at, at different tables, and there'd be no one at a couple of those tables. And then a couple of the others would have maybe two or three guys, and I was one of them. You know, like it just, it, it, I've seen that too many times. Poor Tim Beery, former tight end, you know, would just be sitting at this table by himself with no one to talk to. Um, you know, and, 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 and that was also justified. Kansas was a non factor in those eras a lot of the times. And, and so, for these guys to have people coming up to them regularly and, and walk around there with their heads up and, and feel good about, you know, who they are and what they represent. I, I thought that was really cool. Not only for them to feel that, but to watch them embrace it. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Tim Beery because that, that could, perfect segue. I think he was the answer to a uh, football trivia question last year about, I don't know who was targeted on, I think it was like overtime game against Baylor. Oh yeah. Gil Rain, yeah, something like that. that we're, we're starting uh <laughs> trivia for football next week. Your guy, Ryan Goodwin is in the competition once again. And I think he started two and zero last year, but then lost his last two missed out on the playoff. I, what are expectations? Should they be high for Ryan Goodwin or do we set them with a low bar? Well, at some point he's going to have to deliver, you know, and, and if he doesn't deliver, then you can't keep expecting him to do great things. I know he has it in him, right? Like I know, I, like I told you last year about this time, like I, I saw him study last year, you know, like we were on, we go on a guy's trip with some high school friends every year and, and he was like studying during the guy's trip, you know, like uh, media guys and KU football factoids and this kind of stuff. So um, in addition to being a huge nerd, um, he's also, you know, 
putting serious work into this thing. So you want to root for him. You want to believe he can do it. But if he continues to just underachieve, at some point you're going to have to just, you know, say, well, he is what he is, and he's showing us who he is. And, you know, what he is is kind of a, you know, a JV guy or a mid-major maybe. You know, nothing nothing special, nothing that you're going to really, uh, you know, really, really – bang the drum for and, and and really even be proud of at all so i i know he has it in him and i especially with this topic i mean he knows more about ku football than he does about ku basketball it's always mattered more to him he he cares about it he's one of those you know true true ku football fans not just a you know fair weather guy who likes them when they're good um so i, I like his chances anytime it's that topic specifically um, but but this is the last time that I'll come on here and say any good things about him wow. if he doesn't deliver this year. You know, like he can't he can't just continue to be average. Uh, he has to be better than that, and and we'll see. I mean, I'm kind of leaning toward like you know hedging right now. Like the we'll see is the vibe I'm feeling right now instead of telling you that he's the guy to beat. So. We will see, and uh, I'm excited about it. You do such a great job with those those things, man. They're so much fun, and and I know I speak for a ton of people when when I say that. So, um, props to you for keeping him rolling, and and uh, props to you for letting him continue to compete because you know uh, at some point he has to deserve and belong in the competition, and and he's uh, he's wearing out his welcome. We'll say. Yeah, well, uh, if you want to compete against Ryan, there there are still a couple spots left, so you can uh, hit us up at RCST1320. Well, Matt, I appreciate the time, taking some time out of your day. We're going to make this more regular moving forward once again here. Uh, once again, check out the new digital storytelling platform site for Jayhawk KU Athletes. Wave the Wheat, run by Row 1, Seat 1, that stands for R1S1. Matt, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, good luck keeping things going here on this new endeavor. Yeah, man, thanks. I appreciate it. R1S1sports.com. Easy to remember, rolls off the tongue. But, yeah, no, I'm glad now that we're running again, we can uh, we can start having some chatter again. So I, uh, I hope to talk to you again real soon, but have a good rest of the week. That was Matt Tate. Once again, R1S1sports.com. It is the Wave the Wheat platform through R1S1. All right, one hour down, two to go. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Coming up throughout the remainder of the show here, we got to get to our Jayhawk Rewind. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got another edition of Lie Detector Test. Do we give a bleep later in the show? Um, and also coming up next, we're going to do a Big 12 breakdown. How well could the newcomers to the Big 12 do based on maybe past performance of some other teams that have moved up to the Power 5 and what that could tell us? Because KU plays three of the four newcomers Maybe those games could end up being easier than you might think right now. We'll get to that on the other side. This is KLWN with RCST. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, coming up later this hour, we're going to get to a, another edition of Lie Detector Test. It's going to be a really good one today on the show. We also have uh, Jayhawk Rewind coming up at 5 o'clock. It'll be the KU-Oklahoma game this time and another edition of Do We Give a Bleep. Uh, first, before we get there, I, I have another Big 12 breakdown here for today. I kind of wanted to do a deep dive on on some of the newcomers into the Big 12. It's obviously very pertinent in terms of the conference at large in football and what they're going to be bringing to the table. But I think it's, it's even more impactful here because KU is playing three of those four schools this year. Yeah. 
and that severely will impact. Well, the, the only reason they're not playing the other one is because they just played them last year. Right. It'll severely impact how difficult the schedule ends up being, right? If if the the three newcomers all are bowl teams and one of them's like an eight-win team, nine-win team, the schedule becomes a lot more difficult. But what happens if the three newcomers, you know, two of them, uh, the ones that they're playing, two of them end up being non-bowl teams and the other one only wins six or seven games? Then the schedule looks a lot more light. It looks a lot easier at that point for KU football. And right now, obviously, the narrative is that KU has a tough schedule. Yes, uh, obviously, we have uh, a couple easy comparisons to look to with TCU and West Virginia because those are specifically teams that not just recently transferred over from a non-Power 5 school to a Power 5 school, but also specifically the Big 12. But there are also some other recent teams that that went from non-Power 5 uh, conferences to Power 5 conferences with Louisville, Rutgers, and, and Utah. I believe those... Five, Louisville, Rutgers, TCU, West Virginia, Utah are the most recent five to do it. I don't think I'm missing anyone. Uh, trying to think. At least going not from Power 5 to Power 5. I'm not counting. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm from, from non-Power non -power 5 to Power 5, power five to right? A power 5, yeah. Um, because obviously Colorado is changed. Colorado, but that's not a Maryland, you know, group of five from beforehand, right? Yeah, Missouri, Maryland, Texas A&M, right? Missouri, Texas A&M. I don't think there's any other schools that have jumped, so I think it's just those five if we look back to the last five and the five since really over the last, I don't know, decade-ish, right? If we went back yeah. to the uh, the early, like, 2000s, It'd we could more, have more. Right? You could have, the, you know, Boston College, Miami going from the Big East to the ACC, um, Virginia Tech, stuff like that. Uh, but, I don't know, different time. It, I, I think it's just best to look at these ones. No, I agree. Okay, so Louisville, let's start with them. They're the most recent school. Or at least tied the most recent to leave a they were they were in the American Athletic Conference, which uh, you know I, I guess that's the closest you can get from yeah group of five to I'm power sure five. American Athletic Conference fans are like oh power six yes oh we're power that's six conferences that's what they tried to coin and that that does that's the exact path that uh you know Houston and UCF and Cincinnati are looking to go on so it it maybe makes for a little bit of an easier jump. Uh, Louisville in their final year in the American went 12 and one. That was the Teddy Bridgewater team. Teddy Bridgewater led them so, to the uh, Sugar Bowl. Good, they were yeah good. very good. And they ended up beating Florida in the Sugar Bowl and going 12 and one. So the next year, Teddy Bridgewater and a lot of players are gone, and that, and that's part of what will make this like an inexact science that you can't guarantee that all these good players were there weren't there the next year. They end up going to the ACC the next year. And uh, they went nine and four, so they still had a really good season yeah. in the first year of the ACC. But that's a three-win loss. Would you say that that potentially is skewed by the fact that they had a legit NFL quarterback also on their team making the change? Well, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater was back or not. Oh, that's to true. be clear. I guess that's a good point. I don't remember either. Actually, I could have sworn that maybe he not. left to go pro to be honest okay then never mind yeah he was the 32nd pick in the 2014 draft so he wasn't back as part of that 2014 okay team. never mind then forget what i just said now was lamar jackson though was he the quarterback by 2014 i don't think so um no didn't they have a will did, gardner oh didn't they have and then michael dyer remember him and malik cunningham no he was after he was after lamar yes but anyway, still a good season for them in their debut. You know, if any of these new teams had nine wins this season, I think they'd be, be very really happy. Good. But then yes. again, none of these teams are coming from the place they came from. Every team who's joining the Big 12 this year 
won single-digit games, even though they were in the higher end of single-digit games. None of them went 12-1. and one. That's still a three-win deprovement, if that's a word, which it's not, uh, from 2013 to 2014. <laughs> now, I also wanted to look at year two, because um, actually, when you go over this, a lot of the teams actually, it was yeah, worse we, in year this, one, but it was even worse than that in year two. Yeah, I was going to say, we've had this discussion where generally it's your third and fourth years where you actually yes. start to turn it around. Yeah, and in a lot of these cases, actually, I think all of them, year two was actually worse than year one for these schools. I know that doesn't totally help Kansas football this year, um, but it is something of interest because Louisville in year two in the ACC went eight and five. So that's another still one pretty good. It but is. also the ACC stinks. They I, stink. I uh, I would be interested in the logic behind this. I there's a part of me that like I okay here's here's a good example. I think okay. it was uh, Sam Houston State. Sam, Sam Houston, Houston State yeah. uh, typically really good in the FCS, right? Yeah, they were they were one back to back. No, I think wait. they won the. Yeah, I they know won they won the title right titles. in 2021. I yeah. say. Well, so they did the weird thing where they played in the spring. Yeah. And they won. And I think it. they won that title. Yes. Yes. And then I think they maybe, yeah. But they've they've been yeah. a top. It's kind of weird. A perennial top five team. Nonetheless, last year in the FCS, I think Sam Houston State was like five hundred team. They're like five and four, didn't make the playoff. And the reason why they were moving up to the FBS this year. This year yes. they're going to be in the they're, FBS in yes, the uh, Conference USA. That's right, Conference USA. Yes. Well, they dude, redshirted. It's all sorts of messed up because they were in the Southern Conference. They go to the WAC for one year, and they're like, nah, screw the WAC. <laughs> Then we're gonna. Then now they're gonna go to the conference USA. Yeah. Um. But but because they wanted to have more success in year one at the higher level, they redshirted like three or four of their all conference players who could have one more year left of play. And they were like, "Now nah, we don't need to to make another FCS playoffs. I'd rather let's see if we can <laughs> like you know do, do something special at, at the D one level. Even though I don't think they can make a bowl game. Nonetheless, um, yeah, they set the themselves NCAA up that way. Stupid. It makes me wonder when you see all these teams do worse in year two, which we'll get through the others here in a second. Do a lot of these teams know that, hey, we're going to be joining that Power 5 next year. Let's set our roster up to where we'll still be okay next year, but then it makes it short-sighted to where you don't get the long-term build into the conference by, like what you said, year three, year four. I don't know. I, 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 I like the logic of what mm-hmm. you're saying. I suspect that the head coaches that are recruiting from these schools don't pay attention to that at all when it comes to determining their roster. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's, that's my guess. My guess is when they're with those head coaches, when they're in the trenches day in day out, I don't think they care at all. I mean, I, I mean, I I'm sure they care in the sense of when they go out to recruit kids, they're like, hey, we're gonna be in you know yeah. this the Power Five in two years, so it matters to them recruiting wise. But I highly, I would be pretty shocked if there was like meetings where they were like, okay, we need to redshirt this guy so that we have an extra year of him when we get to the. I don't I don't think any of that's happening. Okay, because so- I mean, these are guys that I mean, listen, when you're at this level. You're every year you're coaching for your job. Seriously. Sure. I and mean, if you have a bad year, you could be gone. Uh also though, if you remember, um it has been done but Dana Holgerson at uh Houston. They had the year where they started like one and three. And so then they were like, Hey, you're a good player, just red shirt so that we keep your year for another year. So I, I don't know. I don't think it would be that crazy. Nonetheless, Louisville, minus three in year one, uh minus another one in year two. Okay, let's go to Rutgers. Rutgers um, was in the American as well in 2013. They joined the Big Ten in 2014. This was the actual rare case of a team doing better. Of all teams, Rutgers. (laughs) 
Rutgers, Rutgers. Yeah, they were six and seven in the American in 2013. Then 2014 in the Big Ten, they went eight and five. So they were plus two from the previous year. My guess is they must have just gotten. They had to have like everyone have, back. It just had to work that, out, right? And they probably got to play like Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, like all the teams that were bad. That's a good question. I should look at the schedule. I mean, think about it. Dude, in the Big Ten, they could have easily dodged Michigan State, dodged Michigan, dodged Ohio State, dodged Penn State, and instead get, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa. Here's who Indiana. they had in the Big Ten Penn State, which was a loss. Michigan, which they won. Oh, they beat Michigan that year? Yeah. Lost to Ohio State, lost to Nebraska, lost to Wisconsin, beat Indiana, Yep. lost to Michigan State, beat Maryland. Maryland. Wait, so they only won three Big Ten? I guess. They won their, all their non-con games. Okay, good for them. <laughs> wait, wait. So what? How many, how many non-con games did they play? I think four. They beat Washington State, Howard, Navy, and Tulane. And then they won four. And then Four. Michigan, Indiana, Maryland. So they won three. So they, oh, so they went seven and five. And won yeah, the so they went game. seven and five. Then won the bowl game. They beat North Carolina in the bowl. That's helpful. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, they did improve. So there is there is at least something there. Good job, Rutgers. If we go back to the year two case study, though, year two in the Big Ten, Rutgers all of a sudden dropped off to four and eight. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to TCU. They went from the Mountain West. They were 11-2 and two in the Mountain West in 2011. They went to the Big 12 in 2012. They were minus four. They went 7-6 and six in the 2012 season. So they did make a bowl game, but that's a big deprovement, I guess, from the previous year. We need to find a, bit, a different word. I don't, uh, I don't, regression. Okay, there, 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 there we go. Regression. That's much better. I can't, I can't listen to you say deprovement okay. anymore. Okay. Um, so obviously, you know, that was they lost in the, they had a Buffalo Wild Wings bowl at the time. And that was the freshman year of uh Trayvon Boykin, who actually came in because Casey Pahal, who was their uh, other starting quarterback, got hurt at one point, despite him having a good start to the year. So that's minus four for TCU that year. Year two for TCU, they went four and eight. So I mean TCU Yikes. completely dropped off by year two. Yikes. West Virginia, they were in the Big East in 2011. They went 10 and 3. 2012, their first year in the Big 12, they went 7 and 6. So they were minus 3. Interesting. From that jump off. But made a bowl. They did. But still, a lot different than the, the previous year. By year two, West Virginia was 4 and 8. Yikes. They dropped off too. That sucks, West Virginia. And then the uh, other most recent one was Utah who was 10 and 3 in the Mountain West in 2010. They jumped ship to the Pac-12 in 2011. They went 8 and 5, which was two win decrease from the previous year. Okay. Year 2 though, they went 5 and 7. Oof. Off again. Oof. So, so the one thing though is of all these five teams, all five of them did make a bowl in their first year. They did. But, but they also had all one double digit Correct. The previous years, so they probably had were bringing back a decent roster, and that's not necessarily the case for all of the new Big Twelve teams. Right. If we just want to throw out Rutgers here, because I feel like they're the uh, just the weird kind of anomaly here, to where, wow. like, if if we wow. compare can't and we, say, can't believe you don't care about Rutgers. Well, it's that's, just that's that, just rude. It's it's clear that they were kind of the anomaly here, and when when we when you look at the for instance, the predictions in the Big Twelve is that all four of the newcomers are going to finish in the bottom half. 
So I think it's clear to say that none of the newcomers roster-wise in what they're returning or what they added via the portal is expected to have that Rutgers-type season, meaning that I want to go to the other ones here. And in the cases of those other four, Louisville, TCU, West Virginia, Utah, that's minus 12 in wins from what they were the previous year to the next year, which means if you average it out, that's three less wins than what you had the previous year, okay? Okay. Does that make sense? In just from one year. So Houston won eight games last year. That would be the equivalent to winning five. UCF won nine. That'd be six. BYU won eight. That'd be five. Cincinnati won nine. They won six. But that could be even lower because Cincinnati, uh, it is a very low amount of starters they return. New head yeah, coach. New head coach. Uh, yeah. Lost a lot of players who weren't even starters, too, via the transfer portal. So you look at it, and if you're viewing, you play – UCF, if we're viewing them as opposed to a team that just won nine games this past year as a team who's going to win six, if we view BYU, a team who won eight games last year, and view them as a team who's going to win five, if we view Cincinnati as a, a maybe a bowl team, the schedule looks a little bit lighter for KU, does it not? Kind of, yeah, but I mean, also, that basically what this tells me is that these teams are maybe in the same category as KU. And that's sure. kind of the general theme of what we've heard. Uh, I you know, go back to our conversation with Kevin Flaherty earlier in the week where he said there's a lot of teams that could feasibly go 8-4 and four and could feasibly go 4-8, and eight. and that includes Kansas, mm-hmm. and that probably includes three or four of these teams. I mean, you could probably you could see, you could see UCF going 8-4, and four, maybe even BYU. Cincinnati, I think I agree with you, is probably, on the, probably not the case for them, but between UCF – uh, BYU and Houston, like, would it be crazy if one of those two teams or one of those three teams get, ends up with eight wins? I don't think it would be that crazy. So you've just got a you've just got a smorgasbord of a bunch of teams that are all like we think could be pretty good, but also might have the potential to be kind of not that good, and they're all right in the middle. Which goes back to the theory of you've got quite a few coin flip games if you're KU on the schedule, and one or two of those games is going to be the difference between you going to a bowl and not going to a bowl. And I think that that conversation is really interesting because that's not something you've had to worry about for KU in the last decade because you knew you weren't going to a bowl. <laughs> so it was like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden there it does. there's added importance, heightened importance, especially on the home games. So especially I'm looking at BYU and UCF. You're playing them at home. If you are... We've had this discussion many times. If you are on the same tier or near the same tier, if you are playing a team equal to you, but you're playing at home, you should have the advantage. Right. You should be able to win that game. So and can KU win those games? I don't think KU lost a home game to a team we view to be on the same tier as them last year, right? Duke they beat Iowa was State. a win. They beat Iowa Duke. State was a win. They beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, yep. And they lost was to Texas. anyone else, but they were probably a tier above, and, right? Yep. And they – what were the other home games? Tennessee Tech, that's five. Yeah, that, What's yeah. the last one? Oh, and uh, their other non-con game <laughs> that I don't remember off the top of my head. What is that? Houston? Oh, no, Houston. You're right. No. Yeah. Whatever it is. doesn't matter. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they beat – I mean – Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Duke. Yeah. They won those three. So that's good. Well, and then I think the other part of this comes into, which this this won't apply for this year, obviously, but when we've been talking about those year two numbers, 
that means that all five of those teams by year two were worse than the final year of their previous conference. And in total, they lost 24 wins from those marks, which is on average about minus five per team. And I bring this up now to, to say that, you know, there is some conversation that maybe 2024 is the year that Kansas could really capitalize and be a true contender if a lot of these players come back for another year. Because you do have a lot of players who who still do have another year left, even after this one for your team. And then maybe the schedule lightens up a little bit. No Texas and Oklahoma. And we don't know how the scheduling is going to work. But if it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, you just played these teams at home, now you're going to flip them. So now in 2024, Kansas would take on Cincinnati at home, and they'll be at UCF and at BYU in 2024. We don't know that's how it's going to work, but if it is, and we view the year two stuff here and say that, well, that's when teams have really started to bottom out before their success, you could catch those schools at the perfect time next year. So potentially, well, we'll see how that all works out and everything. But I don't know. Just I, I thought some interesting data and looking back at uh, what the past teams have done. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. We got lie detector test coming up later in the hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. We uh, off air have been having some debates. What should we draft tomorrow? Football draft, basketball draft, whatever it is. If you have something you think would be fun for us to draft, oh, that's a good idea. Open it up. Open it up for yeah. ideas. Hit us up at RCST thirteen twenty. We've been uh, tossing around a, a couple interesting ideas, um, like Mario Kart characters, uh, cars. So, like, I could draft a truck to be my <laughs> receiver or something. Corvette at running back, whatever it is, right? Um, Okay. We do that. If you have other options, I don't know. We can always do the the classic is the animals one. You know that's true. We haven't we haven't. I mean, we did the mythical creatures one, but we, we haven't done like just straight animals, jungle animals. <laughs> we did a football one with. I remember Scott being on it uh, with with animals a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, but that was football. We could do a basketball one with animals. So I don't know. We we have some options. If you yeah. want to recommend one, at RCST thirteen twenty, please do so. It is up. Okay, lie detector test. For the day. First up, DeAndre Hopkins for saying he wanted to play with a great quarterback and it wasn't about the money, then signed this week for the money with the Titans. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is a lie. Uh, this is just certified, bona fide lie detector. Also saying he wanted breaking. a good front office when the Titans it's, GM was fired it, last the, year. The lie detector is just going off the charts. It's 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 exploding. It, it doesn't even know how to respond to this with how much of a lie this is. Uh, because, like we talked about with DeAndre Hopkins, he knows he's going to get cut, and he's not going to get traded. So what does he do? He goes. He does this little social media campaign where he's like, "I want to play for a great quarterback. I want to play for a Super Bowl contender." Yada yada yada. Because he 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 was assuming that some Super Bowl contender would be paying him a lot of money. Well, guess what? When the Bills didn't come calling to pay him fifteen million, when the Chiefs didn't come calling to pay him fifteen million, when nobody else came calling, what did he do? He was like, "Crap, this sucks." Now I got to actually find a way to make some money. So he hired an agent, and now the agent's out there piping up all kinds of PR crap, and then he's he's talking up, well, I got two deals from the Patriots and the Titans. I got two deals. I got he, I mean, dude, for like two weeks, the reports was he's got two good deals from the Titans and the Patriots. Why didn't he sign him yet? Because he wanted to try to see if the Chiefs or the Bills would pay him more. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. Well, and for all we know, he didn't actually want the Chiefs or Bills to pay him more so that he would get more from them. He wanted them to offer to pay him more so that he could get even more from someone else. Maybe. I, I don't know. Well, well I mean, um, no, My here's my thought process. My thought process is, th- this, is how, this is how I'm envisioning it. 
let's just say the Bills, for instance. The Bills are like, hey, we're going to give you $8 million, okay? And DeAndre Hopkins is like, well, I want more. And the Bills are like, no, sorry. So then DeAndre Hopkins says, well, look at, I've got these deals from the Titans. I'm going to sign with the Titans. Oh, I'm going to sign with the Titans for two weeks, hoping that the Bills would call him back and say, you know what, fine, we'll pay you 12 $13 million, whatever. When that phone never rang, guess who signed on the dotted line for the Titans? DeAndre Hopkins. Because it was about the money. Which, again, to be very clear, I will never fault somebody for taking more money. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But when you parade around talking about how you want to go play for a title contender and you want to, you know, all that crap, and then you go back and do this, it's a little annoying. I'm a little annoyed by it. And I've always maintained all along that I didn't even really care if DeAndre Hopkins had with the Chiefs or not. So I'm happy. I don't care. <laughs> you sound very mad for someone who's happy. No, I'm, I am happy. I am very <laughs> happy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tyreek Hill was asked the question about going for 2,000 yards. He said, quote, believe that. So does Tyreek Hill understand that he's got other guys on the Dolphins that are really good? Like Jalen Waddle, and uh, who's don't they have another good receiver? Yeah, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Who's they have a third guy, right? Uh, um, do they not? It's just those two maybe. guys. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways, the point being, if Tyreek Hill was ever going to go for two thousand yards, wouldn't he have done it with the Chiefs when the Chiefs didn't have any really great receivers besides him, besides Travis Kelsey? Wouldn't that have made the most sense? Yes. So if he wasn't going to go for two thousand yards with the Chiefs. How in the hell does he expect to go for 2,000 yards with the Dolphins when he's got Tua at quarterback? And he's got other receivers that are also good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just not going to happen. Although, I guess you could make the case that, um, like, what if, I don't know, the Dolphins' defense is just really bad again and it's just like you're the best player on your team. They just force feed you the ball. But what, do you think the Dolphins would do that? think so so there you go okay yeah i i don't see so that is happening. this a lie but also like i don't think he's he's not, not lying, lying necessarily is, yeah i mean i think he thinks he could get 2,000 yards i think he thinks it yeah i just don't expect it to happen okay. i don't think it'd be crazy though I'm, either i mean I think cooper cup's a, gotten close uh, i am saying lie i'll say lie because i don't expect but it again happen. name one other receiver on the rams on the ram oh uh yeah Oh, okay. Next the up. way the, the way you get to thousand yards, like you can be elite, but the way you get to thousand yards is you're the only guy. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, Dak Prescott quote: "I won't have ten interceptions this year." <laughs> so that this is, is my favorite search. one of the week. I think he has thrown ten interceptions or more every year that he has started. Right? <laughs> it's. It's all but like one year. So I think he's been in the NFL. This will be like year seven. He had one year they didn't do it, but it's because he only played like four or five games. He got yep, hurt. Yep. His rookie year, he only had like five. But his other years that he has been a starter. He had a 15 interception year. Yeah, he, he had, had 13, 13 in 2017. Okay, he had, yeah, so he had a four as a rookie, 13 in 2017, eight in 2018. So he didn't do it that year as well. But here's the last four years for him. 11 in 2019. Four in 2020, but that was in five games, which paces out to be 10. Uh, 2021, he had 10 of them, and last year he led the NFL with 15 of them. Yeah, so this is a lie. Uh, getting it to 10, it feels like a lie. Yeah, feels like a lie. Yeah, I'm saying this is a lie as well. 
Uh, that one, I, I love that one for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, this one from uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Disney, a long time ago, 1998, taught me a valuable lesson about sticking together. Go watch A Bug's Life. It'll put in perspective the running back market. The running backs are the ants. I'm Flick, the inventive ant. I took all the damage from the grasshoppers, the owners. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin to break this huh? one down. Uh, okay, first of all, he clearly did not take all the damage from the owners because there are running backs today that are still not getting paid. Okay? So that's just wrong. And also, actually, if you think about it, Le'Veon Bell, in terms of getting paid, did the best because he sat out a year and then did get a huge contract with the Jets. Yes. Just suck, by the way. To just go be bad. Here's a bunch of money to be bad. Oh, thanks. Cool. Sweet. So I don't... I. In, okay. When it, In terms of the bug life stuff, I haven't seen bugs life mm-hmm. in the last 15 years. So I don't even know... If what he's saying is accurate, it's been a while. There was the other movie too. There was they both came out around the same time. Was it Ants? Was the other one? What was that? Pixar? What are you talking about? Yeah, it was Ants. There's a movie called Ants. And there there was a Bug's Life. Wasn't there a movie? Was is the Ants movie the one where like the kid is trying to kill the ants and then they like he's like bullying the ants? But then it's a story about how you shouldn't bully. (laughs) No, I think that was called like bully or something like that. No, no, Bugs Life is the one where like all the bugs are working together. And then the the ants one is just about ants. That one actually like scarred me as a child because there's like a war scene. Like the ants are going at it with like, I think it's like roly polies or something. And like that was intense, man. That's that's, intense. That sounds awesome. Nonetheless, this is a crazy segue. Go watch Ants tonight. A-N-T-Z though. (laughs) It really uh, made it crazy. So that's not the same movie as where the kid bullies the ants? No, that's a completely different movie altogether. (laughs) Uh, Bugs Life, good movie though. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, maybe I should go back and, and watch and you know come back to to note this. I I do think there's something there about Le'Veon Bell, but also like at the end of the day, yeah, like I don't know how he, much it changes. Like, if, what is he even trying to say here? Well, because like for instance, Saquon Barkley, he's basically saying running backs are underpaid, and uh, you know <laughs> Saquon Barkley, if he were to sit out this year and be like, which we'll get to Saquon Barkley here in a second, I don't know how how much things would really change for the future guys. Like, wouldn't... I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't yeah. think this happens. No, that's what I'm saying. But... Le'Veon Bell is... It's If he's saying that, like, it was bad to begin with and he tried to make it not bad and it's still bad now... Yeah. Then, like, he... You know, he got a bunch of money. Well, I guess... On a second contract. To Le'Veon Bell's point, I will give him this. He, got, he did take a lot of crap for it back at the time, whereas now people are, like, at least other people in his position are looking back and being like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for, like, sitting out and speaking up for us. So I, I get sort of it. So I, I don't think it's, like, a huge lie necessarily. Uh, let's I, go to well, the, I don't even know what he's trying to say, so I'm just going to okay. say lie. Let's go to the other running back one, Saquon Barkley, um, who has, I don't believe, signed his franchise tag, and he hasn't been given, oh. like, a long-term deal with the Giants. My leverage is, I could say, bleep you to the Giants. I could say bleep you to my teammates. Barkley told the Money Matters podcast on July 11th. And be like, you want me to show you my worth. You want me to show you how valuable I am to the team. I won't show up. I won't play down. And that's a play I could use. So basically, he's talking about he's sitting saying, out. Yeah, if you like, don't, yeah. Yeah, not showing up, which is exactly what Le'Veon Bell did. I don't think Le'Veon Bell played a single snap for the Steelers that year before the Jets signed him. 
So that's basically what he's saying he would do. And, uh, you know, it's it's a tough situation to be in because, especially at the running back position, because it is a, it is, I mean, besides the lineman position, like offensive line, defensive line, what position takes the most hits? Running back. Mm-hmm. That's the position that you get hit the most in. So, therefore, it also has the shortest lifespan. To circle back to the whole thing with DeAndre Hopkins, I can't blame a guy for wanting to make as much money as he can when the average career in the NFL is five years. So Okay, so you have a very tiny window to maximize the amount of money you're trying to make as a career. Now, obviously, you're also trying to win and win Super Bowls and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you also need that the financial side. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's telling the truth. That's definitely something he could do. It is. Now, this opens up a bigger discussion about paying the running backs. That certainly is running rampant right now, and a lot of people are, are going with the, the graphic and the tweet that Des Bryant talked about, about you know punters are making more than, than the average running back, which is a little misleading because there are only 32 starting punters, so it's like if you're if you are a punter, you are a starter. Whereas what's bringing down the average, you know, salary of a running back is that that's also counting guys who are third and fourth strings, right? If you just yeah. looked at starting running backs, they're getting more, but clearly, you know, they, they view they're being underpaid. Now, I guess you are what the market tells you in that regard. And if, if it is a replaceable position, like, I don't know, I can't blame these teams well, for just, not, I mean, look at what the chiefs have done. Yeah. Over the last five years. Yeah. Well, and it's also like you hear that stat also get tossed around a lot that running backs deserve to be paid more because their longevity is short. It's only a two and a half year average, which, first of all, that's a misleading number, too, because um, that's counting guys who are like undrafted and they spend three months on the practice squad and then bounce out. Uh, It's not counting the guys who are like, you know, like, you know what the average uh, the average length of receivers in the NFL is? 2.8 2.8 years. How long they? Oh, how long? Yeah, they, yeah how long? They, it's yeah. 2.8 years. It's not that much of a difference. Um, I don't know, man. This, it, I'm not really totally buying into it. Like it, I mean, it's I, just how it goes. It I is how it goes. Like where was Saquon is telling the truth though. He is telling the truth, and that yeah, he could do that, and he might just do that, and that might work out for him. But like this public outcry about people being like, oh, running backs are underpaid. Where was that outcry with fullbacks? Where's that outcry been for linebackers, like like non-pass rushing linebackers? There are a lot of other positions that could probably feel the same way too, and that's not there. I do wonder if to this notion, because there was actually an Ole Miss running yeah, back. Yeah, th- there's always listen to that point. It's all it's it's all about the offense. It is, but like right? so, it's all about the so, quarterback. Well, I know, but if, but by extension, the offense. Yeah, I mean, who are the who are the always the players that are the most publicly like being prima donnas? Mm-hmm. It's always your wide receivers and your running backs. But I think it's been shown. Like, you look at the teams that are going to the Super Bowls. It's not like it, it's not that they don't have good running backs. Isaiah Pacheco, good running back. Miles Sanders, good running back. But it's that those guys are replaceable. That Isaiah Pacheco took over for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and it was like, ah, whatever. Uh, Miles Sanders. For, you know, Damian Williams. Yeah. Over for, right, you know. right. It's it's just that there's there's not a lot of replacement value there for those. I, I am uh, curious if we're, we're going to get to a point where um, running backs are going to make more in college to a certain level than the pro. Like, we've seen this like in the NBA NIL. with college basketball. Centers, specifically, they're not getting drafted as high in college basketball, and a lot of those guys are going to make more in college than they are. I wonder if we're going to start seeing someone who, like, you know, they win. What if we got a guy who was uh, won the Heisman as a running back as a junior, and he was like, 
you know, I could go to the NFL. I could start my career. Now, maybe that's a, a different discussion because if you are like a first-round pick as a running back, you're still going to make multiple million dollars. But a guy who, you know, maybe isn't that person who would be like a third-round pick in the NFL, and they're like, you know what? I might just make more money and capitalize more in college. I wonder if that's going to be like a market uh, efficiency that we see kind of moving forward. Okay, Rashi Rice, uh, they started uh, for the Chiefs their, you know, camp days and stuff, and he ended up puking on day one. Here's what he said on uh, yesterday's practice. I don't mind puking. It just means I'm working hard. Okay, so did you see the follow-up to this? Yes, Andy Reid so didn't seem very happy. Well, there was more follow-up to it, too. Apparently, this is like a thing that Rashi Rice does. Hmm. Like, apparently he just throws up, like, okay. during games all the time. Interesting. Like, I don't know. I, I I don't remember the story. I think it was, like, at SMU he would, like, throw up after every touchdown he scored or something. Or, like, it was weird. It was really, really weird. Okay. I don't remember exactly what it was. So, I I kind of want to think this is that he's this is the truth. I, I believe him. I don't mind puking. At that point, then, yes, I do believe him. But I think for most people... You do mind puking. It sucks. Nobody likes puking. Oh no, puking is terrible. I mean, it's like it. I mean, it's it's to me, it's one of the more miserable experiences yeah. you can have. Well, Andy Reid didn't seem to be happy with it because he viewed it as like he's out of shape. Well, yeah, that's how you tend to view it. Yeah, but that is a that's an interesting piece of it. Okay, uh, Justin Fields says he's a top five rushing quarterback in NFL history. Let's see. Michael Vick, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson. There's three off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And that's not even – and that's like modern era. Well, statistically, was, didn't he have like the most rushing yards of a quarterback in NFL history? I mean, Justin Fields? Yeah, last uh, year. I don't know. Maybe. Did he? You can make very much a case. I mean, if you're going off career off career accomplishments, then no. It's just you had one season, right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of your peak, you, you did have that great rushing season. So, sure. No. With it. This is a lie. You think it's a lie? Okay. Well, dude, I mean, no, I mean, you only did it one year. Could okay. easily be a fluke. All right, the last one we have on here is uh, Josh Heupel, who is the head coach at Tennessee. He said, <laughs> when asked about the Longhorns joining the SEC and who would get to claim the UT abbreviation, quote, there's only one real UT and only one real shade of orange. <laughs> I love this quote because... He didn't say what he didn't technically which. say that yes. it was Tennessee. He didn't say Tennessee. He didn't say Texas. That would have been funny if the the reporter so, responded and was like, "So, <laughs> so which Texas? one is the UT?" Yeah, this is hilarious. He totally left it wide open mm-hmm. to interpretation on either or which, however, which way you want to look at it, uh, which is awesome. If I'm Texas, you take that and you say, "Look, they they said they're bending the knee to the actual real UT, Texas." Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. And, like, okay, you can't say this is a lie or the truth, can you? Um, you It's so, it's vague. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, it's not the truth. There are multiple shades of orange. And there's not one UT. There are multiple. Literally, there are multiple. Yes, so it is a lie. lie. It is a lie. No, you're right about that. I was thinking more, okay, yeah. Also, from a national brand, the funny part is, like, I feel like Texas probably is more recognizable than Tennessee. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So you might have just clowned yourself there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that might not be what you were trying to do. Maybe. Right, I don't that know. is a lie detector test. Two hours down, one to go. We got our Jayhawk rewind of KU football coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on. What's up, bro? 
Derek Johnson, Nick Springer on KLWN. This is RCST. Who? RCST. Ever heard of it? Rock Shock Sports Talk. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. That show with uh, the really smart guy, Nick, and the really dumb guy, Derek. <laughs> I oh, yeah, that's view it show. more as just like two bozos talking things. <laughs> they, you know, if, if you want to be the smart no, one and I'll one be the dumb one, I'm fine. Incredibly I'm smart, definitely not. Well, incredibly stupid. if that's the reading, if one, one of us is smart and one of us is not, I can't be the smart one because that's not the case. Um, if you do want to join, by the way, RCST football trivia and be a smart person, um, and you don't even have to be smart to join. You can, you know, do poorly. You're still going to win. I should probably mention this. Everybody who joins is going to win a t-shirt. Like you don't even have to win. If so you're just a member, be the same t-shirt as the best. No, one? we have a different one. Oh, at least that's the plan. That's the plan. I guess Fun. I shouldn't guarantee that. There the you go. Is, so you yeah. get to be, you get a special football trivia. T-shirt. That's right. Dude, anybody at Memorial stadium wearing an RCST trivia football t-shirt. I'll give you a hug. Okay. And I'll buy you okay. a drink. Wow. That is a dangerous game, Nick. <laughs> That's a dangerous game so you're playing. So if you there. are an RCST football trivia and I see you at Memorial Stadium on game day. Okay. KU football. Okay. Are you just going to like give show you a hug. up with like a blindfold on? I didn't actually see you. <laughs> yeah. How do I watch the game? I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, if you want to join RCST football trivia, we have gift cards to 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern. We're going to have t-shirts to give away. We're going to have trophies from Jayhawk Trophy. We're going to have uh, tumblers for RCST. I'm trying to secure some more stuff, like possibly some some KU gear. Possibly. I don't know for sure. Um, like I said, we're, we're going to possibly have some more prizes that have not been distinguished yet, and we will know by next Monday. So be on the lookout for that. It's free to join. And like I said, at the very least, uh, for your trouble, we're going to hook you up with a T-shirt, and yeah. you could win more of those prizes. It's free to join, and you win free stuff. Exactly. Like, that's double the free. That's two free for the price of free. I mean, you How can't, great is that? You can't out-free that, personally. Um, so, I mean, if you want to join, all you got to do, you can either Twitter or email. Twitter, at RCST1320. We have a couple tweets up. You can reply to one of those tweets. You can or quote tweet one of those tweets. Yeah, yep, You can DM just us. tweet at us in general. That's true. Yeah, you, you can DM too. us, message us, um, and let us know that you want to join RCST Trivia. Um, you can also email us, rcst1320am at gmail.com. Let us know that you want to be a part of RCST Football Trivia. We're going to start things up next week. I think last I checked, we have about six spots open, but we also have like three or four people who were waiting for them to message back. So we might only have like two or three spots open if those people get back to us, which means that uh, you should join and you should join soon. Yes. And I highly recommend it. I know I've talked to people in the past who with just this event and the basketball event, and they're like, I don't want to embarrass myself. Who cares? I could not yep. tell you. Like, uh, with, with all the people that we've had join this event over the last, for basketball, four years, football last year, Nobody can remember the people who messed up or did poorly. They no. just remember the people who did well yep. or, or when they lost. When they, they remember the questions. They lost themselves. Nobody's going to be mad at you. Like, Yeah. Dude, I don't, cool. I don't remember any of the first-round matchups from Exactly. Basketball. No, I, I would do horrible on these. So, like, if you even do, like, if you even get one question right among the eight questions you're asked over two matchups, like, you should feel great about that. You should feel great. So, it's a fun format. You win free prizes. I uh, get a chance to maybe meet some cool people, and it's free to enter, uh, super easy to do. So please join at RCST1320 on Twitter and RCST1320 AM at gmail.com. And if you don't want to join, but you know somebody who you think would do well in it, True. tell them about it. Yes, 100%. All right, so our Jayhawk Football Rewind. You know, maybe this could be some stuff, some info right now that, that could be on yep. trivia. On the um, Jayhawk Rewind, yeah. We're on to the next game, which is uh, the seventh game of the season for KU, Kansas at Oklahoma. 
Coming into the game, Kansas was ranked 19th. They had just lost their first game of the season to TCU. They were 5-1 and one on the season, 2-1 and one in Big 12 play. They were going down to Norman to take on Oklahoma, who came into the game at 3-3 three and three on the year and 0-3 oh and yep. in Big 12 play. They had lost three in a row. They had lost three in a row, and uh, some of those games had Dylan been Gabriel was ugly. Hurt. Yeah, and they clearly did not have any backup plan for him, and uh, they really struggled. Really yes, struggled. they did. Because I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact order of the games between Kansas State, Texas, and TCU. It was Who, TCU first, because that's the game that he got that Dylan Gabriel got injured in. And then I think... No, it was actually K-State first. I just found, found, pulled oh, it up really? and found it. Yeah, they oh. lost to K-State first at home by seven. Then they lost at TCU by 31, which to your... Yeah, what you were saying, Dylan Gabriel got hurt. And then they lost without Dylan Gabriel the entire game. Their leading passer was somebody with the last name Bayville who had 38 yards the entire game. They lost 49 nothing to Texas. It was clear without <laughs> Dylan Gabriel, they had no passing game. But magically, magically he, he was, was better. Ready to come back. Which that was unfortunate for KU. Kansas. Yes. Because if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, I feel very confident saying KU wins that game. I mean, Dylan Gabriel had a really good game and... Based on what we saw without Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, I think 42 points would have been enough for Kansas <laughs> yeah. to win the game and uh, get another victory at that point. But that was a question coming in. It was, it was, is Dylan Gabriel going to be back? But beyond yeah. that, or what was his health going to be? Exactly. It, uh, how good was Oklahoma? Were they just yes. bad? Yes. Were they just bad? Yeah. And Were was this a like a super team? winnable game for KU? Brent Venables a fraud. But it turns out. You just got him at a bad time. You happened to play him at the wrong time when Dylan Gabriel was back. You happened to play him at a time when they were probably a really angry, mad team after their recent results. Like, if if you would have been the team who played them the following week, maybe, that would have even been a better situation because then they maybe would have been back to like, okay, we're, we're, we're you know, a winning team at this point. Because clearly they had a lot of talent. It was just a very inconsistent team. Like Eric Gray, that's an NFL running back. Dylan Gabriel was a good college quarterback. Marvin Mims, like really good college receiver. They had a really talented offensive line. I mean, Anton Harrison is uh, obviously on the uh, Chiefs, right? Um, no, uh, Wanya Morris. Wanya Morris, that guy, other person. But he's on the Chiefs, right? They have other good offensive linemen. It's a very talented team. It just... You know, you, you kind of played them at a bad time. And also at that point, Jalen Daniels was injured. So kind of a yep. bad swing there, even yep. though Jason Bean had a good game. So what happened in the game? Um, both teams just came out and could not really be stopped. Yeah, there was very, very little defense there occurring was. early in the game. Yes. There is uh, no letter D in Kansas or Oklahoma or in Jayhawks or Sooners. That for reflected that on the field. That did get reflected on the field. Um, so, as you remember, Oklahoma ended up winning the game. How that went down, OU scored. Um, I believe it was their first drive of the game. Uh, then KU responded, though. Jason Bean goes down. They get yeah. the 39-yard touchdown to Lawrence Arnold at 7-7. OU just goes quickly down. They score in a little over two minutes. Then Kansas goes down, has like a five-minute scoring touchdown drive. It's 14-14 after one. Yeah. And honestly, I think you felt pretty good if you were Kansas because you were like, even though the defense doesn't look good, we've seen this story before, the oh, Houston yeah. game, the West Virginia game, where the defense struggles early, the offense keeps pace enough, and then you strike later. And it was yeah. like, okay, that could be fine. But then yeah, the second quarter. The happens. second quarter, I think, is the critical quarter in this game. Yeah, and really, the I mean, the third quarter didn't help either. But yeah, second quarter, OU uh, has about a three minute touchdown drive to go up seven. Um, then I believe Jason Bean somewhere in there threw an interception. Theo yeah, Weiss. So he has a bad interception, yes. I think. Yeah. 24 uh, yard touchdown pass from Dylan Gabriel about 10 minutes later. It's 28 14. But then, but if I remember right, the critical moment in that first quarter was 
KU was still down seven. I think it was still 21-14. And remember, Dylan Gabriel just drops the ball. Yeah, just fumbles around midfield. And KU recovers down seven. But they couldn't but score. But they immediately go three and out. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, that was tough. And then uh, OU gets the ball again. So from 542 to 240, OU goes from scoring a touchdown, making a stop, and scoring another touchdown. That's a quick three minutes. All of a sudden, it's 35-14, and, and there, it's like, I well. Think there was also the this was also the game where uh, Jason Bean inexplicably slid short of the first down mm-hmm. on a third down run. Yep. Uh, so you mentioned it. Bean was good, and it, Bean was good in the game, but he was also really bad. There were a couple, couple plays. key plays that it yeah. was like that. The bad interception. In a game where you couldn't stop them, like you so had to be pretty perfect. He had two picks. One of them was bad. The other one I remember, though, was just a great play by yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, then he had the sliding play. But, yeah, I think the, I think the game was kind of de- – I think the game was kind of decided by the moment in which Kansas got a fumble recovery and had to immediately go three and out and give it back yep. up. You pretty much had to be perfect offensively because OU ended up with 701 total yards in the game. They could not be stopped. Um now, you did have a little bit of life at the end of the first half. You ended up getting a touchdown drive. Jason Bean finds Mason Fairchild 18 yards out. It's 35-21 with a minute 36. If you remember, OU got all the way down to, like, the KU, what, one or two-yard yeah, line? Yeah, and they didn't score. Yeah, and I think Kobe Bryant got hurt at the end of the half, and that was unfortunate. But, yeah, they made a big play at the end of the half to to keep him out of the end zone. So it was like, okay, you scored at the end of the half. You have a bit of momentum. What can you do? But then OU goes out, scores a touchdown. I think KU even received the ball in the second half, and that was another key moment where it's like if you're ever going to make it a game you have to score here they couldn't OU goes down they get a touchdown it's 42 21 uh from there the two teams kind of exchange touchdowns to KU's credit they never gave up yeah they kept making it a little bit closer um they never let it get further than like 21 points they would yeah. always get a touchdown back right yeah it's kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand you're like oh you know K did a great job of never giving up of persevering and continuing to battle but on the other side the outcome of the game was never in doubt, right? Right. Like, it never felt like it never felt like KU was really, really yeah. in the game. Ten points is like here's here's a good example of how the final score always isn't indicative of of how close the teams were. If you remember the year before, twenty twenty one, Kansas almost upended Oklahoma in Lawrence. That was the uh, power outage game. Kansas lost that game by twelve points. Kansas lost this game by 10 points. And people are going to remember the Lawrence game as being a much closer game. It was. That game, they were much closer to winning than this game. So, you know, this game, probably closer to being a 14-17 to 17 point loss, whereas that game was probably closer to being like a one-score loss. But, you know, you, you still at least were competitive-ish in the game. You did make it entertaining, even though at the end of the day, they had 701 yards of offense. They had 36 first Yeah, honestly, downs. I mean, I remember watching the game and like, I mean, KU lost, so it wasn't fun, but at least... But, you know, at least it wasn't like they lost a horrible 52, experience. To, 52 of 10. Yeah, it wasn't KU at Iowa State circa 2019 <laughs> or KU at TCU, right? Yeah. Uh, Dylan Gabriel torched you 400 yards in the air, about 10 yards in attempt. Eric Gray had nine yards of carry. Yep, that didn't help. They had 300 rushing yards as a team. Marvin Mims had 100. Braden Willis had 100 in the air. Um, offensively, you got you had some good performances. Jason Bean, in his first start, wound it up wound up with uh, sixteen of twenty seven, two sixty five, four touchdowns, two picks, almost ten yards per throw, also forty one rushing yards. Devin Neal was good, twelve carries for yeah. eighty four and a touchdown, but you couldn't totally establish him because you were down so much. I do remember that being a takeaway after the game that like, should you have tried to establish the run more to try to rest your defense a little bit more? Yeah, it I don't know how much it would like mattered. In the game, KU leaned into making it more of a shootout, mm-hmm. which, like, that didn't work, obviously. No. And you know what? Now that I'm looking back, I didn't remember it being this way. Um, there were 
seven receivers who caught a pass for KU, but only two receivers caught more than one pass. But both those guys just went off. Lawrence Arnold yeah. had five for 113 and two scores. Mason Fairchild had six for 106 and two yep. touchdowns. And most notably, Lawrence Arnold had that crazy tip catch he made, uh, which I think he scored on, or he maybe maybe got tackled short. I don't. He really made a totally couple remember. big crazy yeah. catches. Uh, so Lawrence Arnold, dude, after this game for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this was also the game where it was like I think this was also the game where it was established what you were going to get with Jason Bean which was you were going to get some high highs. He was going to make some great downfield throws, but you were going to get some low lows also with some boneheaded plays and some, you know, the inexplicable slide plays like that. So I think this is kind of the game where you realize, all right, so with Jason Bean, you at his absolute best, he can be as good as Jalen Daniels, but he's very much inconsistent compared yeah, to Jalen Daniels, lower. and he's going to make some some mistakes that can't that could hurt you. By the way, I don't know what's up with this, but on the uh, ESPN box score from the game, it says Quentin Skinner had zero carries for 20 yards. Oh, yeah, it does say that. Did he, did he recover? That's just a f- the most efficient did he recover, player ever. Did he recover a, a fumble? fumble and ran for Because he's yards? averaging infinity yards per carry. Yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> so he's got to be a dude for that reason. Um, I think Kenny Logan probably a dude here, although... It's yeah. hard to say with as much as they got torched on defense. Yeah, but so Kenny Logan had 14 like, Was he tackles. responsible for some of the and coverage he got, issues? He maybe. got a pick. He got a pick. He there. did. He got an interception. He got a tackle for loss. I think he was the one who made the tackle on the goal line stand. I could be wrong with that. Mm, uh, 14 maybe. tackles, though, so yeah, I'm fine You know, if you want to put him there. Um, honestly, the offensive line. I remember coming away from this game thinking the offensive line played unbelievable. I mean, first of all, you averaged 4.7 yards per carry, even though you didn't run it a ton. Oklahoma only had one sack in the game. If you remember, there were a lot of plays that like Jason Bean had forever to throw the ball and just yeah. launch it downfield. I do recall that, yeah. But I think the big takeaways from this game, the run defense, actually bad. Yep. Yeah, 300 and yards also, on the ground. Even for as much at, to this point in the season, we ha- we had talked about, you know, hey, KU's in games. KU is, you know, right there. The talent, the talent disparity between KU and the upper echelon programs of the Big 12 Still pretty high. This this was a game where, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it w- it kind of flashed back to they were just faster, bigger, mm-hmm. stronger than you, especially at the wide receiver position with Marvin Mims and what he was able to do and, and how much they took advantage of that and with Eric Gray also. So this was kind of the game where it was like, okay, can you, you know, they're making some sense of the program, but there's still a talent gap between the upper echelon teams. Yeah, and this was really the first full game where the defense just, like, let you down for the entirety of the game. Really bad. Right? Like, at least with the West Virginia game, it was the first half. You were a lot better in the second half till maybe the late fourth quarter. Houston game, maybe you struggled early, but you picked it up from there. Um, And maybe you'd go back to the prior week and just say the second half, because if you went from the second half of the TCU game to the Oklahoma game, that means you gave up 80 points over six quarters of football. And and uh, I guess early preview of what we're going to talk about for, for next week's, which is the Baylor game. I think you gave up, what, 28 in the first half to Baylor? Yeah. So that means 21-3, or 28-3, I think. Actually. Yeah, so that means over an eight-quarter stretch from the second half of the TCU game through the first half of the Baylor game, with the big middle being the OU game. Yes, over 100 points given up, which... 
Uh, that's yeah, that's that's very problematic. Uh, obviously, so this was kind of the start of some of the defensive struggles for KU last year. The struggles against the running game. I do think you bring up a good point about that. There, that yeah, it was still apparent there is that big talent discrepancy. I will say though, as much as there is that big talent disparity between Texas and Oklahoma, and we'll get to the Texas game where that was obviously kind of a bloodbath with what they did to you. At the same point in time, even though it is noticeable, some of those things. I do find it intriguing that you look at both years you played Oklahoma now. You lost by a combined 22 points, so 11 points per game. And one of them, the the one in Lawrence, was a game that you very much could have won. Yeah. You beat Texas in 2021. So over those four matchups with Texas and Oklahoma with the Lance Leipold era, you have one win on the road, you have one near win, one competitive loss, and then one blowout loss. Even despite having that talent disparity, I think it it does speak well to the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and again, you take away the Texas game from this year, KU has fought back and has shown, you know, like I I think I think I even said this like after the Texas game and in the aftermath of that was which was, you can look at that Texas game as very clearly being an outlier of what this program is for KU in terms of their fight and their resolve and their resilience to stay in games. Like you can. You, there is, I think there is enough data now from Lance Leipold in two seasons that you can look at that Texas game from 2022 and say, this was an outlier. The can- This Kansas team normally has fight in them, normally will continue to battle in games. Uh, and so, and the Oklahoma game was an example of that. Again, even though even though the game was never really in doubt, like that's still something that, again, I've talked about a lot, which is any other KU football team in the past decade or so probably would have just rolled over. And given up, and ended up losing fifty-two to twenty, or fifty-two to fourteen. Right. So yeah, there were a lot of positives to to take away from it. Even though, uh, yeah, there there were some negatives more in this game than than probably any of your first uh, six games that kind of came before it. So that's our Jayhawk rewind for that game. I think the other, by the way, takeaway for you know uh, things that impact this year. Oklahoma is just a hard team to figure out. Yeah. Are they good? Are they bad? Uh-huh. Are they both? I don't know. Um, Okay, let's get to uh, another edition of Do We Give a Bleep coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. About half past five on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Time for another edition of Do We Give a Bleep where we go over some stories and tell you if we give a bleep or not. First up, the Open, the British Open started today. Do you give a bleep? Um... Not, I mean, I don't give a belief about it today, no. I think by, like, Sunday, I will probably, like, maybe watch a little bit of it mm-hmm. or tune in a little bit of it. Uh, but I don't give a bleep about it right now. So I don't give a bleep at the moment, but I might in the near future. Okay. Is that a fair answer? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I actually didn't watch it at all today. Part of it, like, is just it's so early in the morning, and I was doing stuff this morning, too. Um, but, but I also, give a bleep. My favorite event, the Tour de France, ends on Sunday also. So I'll probably end up watching that. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, I definitely give a bleep, though. I'll, I'll be watching over the weekend. But, okay, yeah. You know, we'll see how much I get to watch tomorrow with uh, some of the early tea times. That's for sure. Maybe I'll just stay up late and start watching the ones at like 1230. Um, there you go. Don't go to bed. Yeah. Don't go to sleep. Okay. Uh, the MLB released their 2024 schedule. And how about this? All the teams play on March 28th. Why? I don't know. Okay. Do you give a bleep? Uh, I got to be honest. I didn't even know the schedule was out. So, and also, why do they do this? Is it because they have to play a bajillion games, so they have to put out their schedule way earlier? Because, like, 
The I only guess. reason people care about schedule releases is because they often happen during the off season. So it's like people are starved for something relating to that. So they do it in the off season, so then people care. Yeah. So if you release the schedule while you're still going through your other season, no one cares, right? Yes. So I don't care. No, I don't give a blip at all. I didn't even know. Th- I didn't even know this was happening. Okay. <laughs> Why don't they wait? Well, what about this? The Dodgers Padres are opening up the season in South Korea. Now, do you give a bleep? Well, I'm not going to be able to go, so no. But I mean, that's cool, I guess. I mean, you know, uh, remember remember that random two weeks uh, after COVID started, where everyone cared about South Korean baseball because they were able to put <laughs> yeah. the Korean baseball organization on on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, but Korean people care about it. South Korean people care about it. So that's cool, you know. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to go to the game in South Korea. So but no. you're not going to watch it all? I, I don't think I'll watch it, no. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really give a bleep. Uh, the <laughs> CAA, which is the Colonial Athletic Association, or at least that's what it's been known for in the past, is set to change its name to the Coastal Athletic Association. So it'll still be the CAA, but it's now different. <laughs> Do you give a bleep? This is actually really smart, I think, because people can just continue to call it the CAA. So you don't even have to rebrand. I think that's incredibly smart, right? I think that's... I, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that that I can still call it the CAA. And to be yes. honest, most times I, I have referred to it in the past, call it, it has been the CAA. I mean, how many... Let's put it this way. How many people actually knew that it, what it stood for? for? To begin with. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's... Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's genius. Honestly, if you asked somebody who didn't know, they probably would have guessed Coastal Athletic Association or Central Athletic Association. So it, Very I, I easily. Fine. They very possibly could um, So I think this is actually genius. Yeah. It is... Who is in the CAA, though? Like, are they actually coastal? Isn't Townsend in the CAA? Uh, yeah, unless they moved. So are they adding schools? It's so hard nowadays to keep track of. Like, it's one thing to keep track of who's in, like, the Big Ten and the Pac. It's it's so hard to keep track of. uh, Okay, here's the the schools that are are full-team members. Are they adding schools? Campbell University, so I guess they're adding them. College of Charleston, Delaware, Drexel, oh, yeah. Elon, Hampton, Hofstra, oh, Monmouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. NCA&T, Northeastern, Stony Brook, Towson, North Carolina, Wilmington, and William and Mary. Yeah, those teams are on the coast. Okay, so it works. Yeah, no, that makes um, sense. I, I mean, I'm, I am. I don't really give a bleep because it doesn't really change much in my life. I give a bleep just because I think it's smart. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, the New York Jets traded away receiver Denzel Mims in a 2025 seventh to the Detroit Lions for a 2025 conditional sixth. I vaguely give a bleep because I saw some delusional Chiefs fans saying, "Trade for him, Chiefs." Uh, you know, this is what happens when you're when you're a good team. Anytime a even average to slightly above average player is like available, made available, mm-hmm. fans are like, "He's coming to our team. He's coming to our team." And with the Chiefs, it's it's actually even worse than that. I feel like anytime there's even a semi-relevant free agent or player that might be traded, it's Chiefs, right? Yeah. So, I don't really give a bleep. I mean, I think it's interesting though. It sneakily gives the Lions like some pretty good weapons, right? Oh yeah. I I don't know how much Denzel Mims is gonna hit the field though, because he hasn't been like a great receiver so far for the Jets. I mean he. Caught 11 passes last year for 186 yards. But it just gives them a little bit more depth. Former highly drafted guy, you know, was really talented in his time at Baylor. 
Uh, Detroit low-key had a really good offense last year. So, you know, anytime you add more depth, whatever. But, no, I don't really give a bleep, to be honest. Uh, Washington. The, uh, what are they nowadays? The Commanders. I wanted to call them football team again. Uh, Finally got sold by Dan Snyder. There was some talk a couple weeks ago that he was going to not do it But it is official. It happened earlier this afternoon. Literally about, I think about an hour ago, it became official. The Dan Snyder era, over with Washington. I... I think I kind of give it a little bit of a bleep because it'll. I think uh, there might be some more that comes out of this. Remember, Dan Snyder uh, threatened to like air a bunch of public grievances from some report. You remember that? Yes. Uh, and so I don't know if more comes out of that, and maybe we more gets, you know, something else happens. So I give a bleep from the standpoint of this may end up turning into more stories of like some you know shady stuff happening potentially. Obviously, Dan Snyder is a bad guy, so it's good that he's out of the league, basically, uh, which is nice. And I'm sure many NFL owners are giving a huge sigh of relief for now. Yeah. I, I do give a bleep because, yeah, like you said, like it's probably good to get Dan Snyder out of the NFL. Also, Washington has actually been like one of the more storied franchises from kind of the 70s through around oh, the yeah. 90s. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in the uh, mid-2000s, like, they were, they were pretty Schefter, decent. Teams. Adam Schefter tweeted earlier today just flaming Washington or flaming Dan Snyder. Well, that's, that's he was been like, the like, Under Dan Snyder, it. they have, like, the 28th best win percentage over They've the been horrible. years. They needed a new owner, and yeah. it'll make them more competitive. It'll make them, I think, more of an interest in an interesting market. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I think yeah, it's I'm good sure for the NFL. it generate a lot of support. Yeah. Good for the NFL. Uh, good for everyone in round. Yeah. Protect the shield. Last one, Shark Week starts on Sunday. Okay, I give a belief about this a lot because people need to understand that sharks are dangerous creatures. Is this why you hate not... the ocean? You've watched too much Shark Week. No, I don't watch any Shark Week. Oh, so you but don't give people, a belief. But Shark Week, it shows people that sharks are dangerous. So you don't give a belief to watch, but you do give a belief because you want other people to watch. Yes. I don't think that's how it works. I, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, I give, I guess I give a bleep because I, I know, know enough Shark people Week care. Still happens. Well, yeah, a lot of people still care about it. A lot of people still watch it. And more power to you if you do. <laughs> I, I never really got into it, to be completely honest. Nope. Not neither did I because I don't like the ocean. I don't like sharks. But you know, everybody has their own TV shows they like. So I'm not going to poo-poo on someone. I'm who, not poo-pooing it either. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, you know, if you like it, everybody likes your own things. You know, just I'll not watch shark- some Food Network and Netflix or something. Not Shark Week. Shark Week okay. No. That is Do We Give a Bleep. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST and KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.